0: All right, America continues to go on a decline. It is spiraling out of control. And the America that we see today is unrecognizable to the generations that came before us. So let's talk about it today.
1: The following program is brought to you by friends and partners of In Time Headlines.
0: All right, what's going on, everybody? It is Saturday, February 10th. Yes, that is correct. Don't adjust your sets. That's what they used to say. Don't, don't rewind it and see if I was making an error. That is correct. It is Saturday, February 10th. Uh, we typically record and broadcast on Fridays. But it, it has been an interesting week, to say the least. We've had all kinds of unexpected things that come here and come there. So we've had to rearrange our uh, podcast broadcasts and the times in which we would record and stuff. So again, it is Saturday, Feb- February 10th. And today is going to be an interesting topic. I want to talk about America specifically. I understand that we have a vast viewing and listening audience that is all across and outside of america overseas and whatnot and listen before we get started today i want you to do me a favor hit that like button hit that share button hit that bell notification this is going to help you keep up with our programs our broadcasts, everything here on youtube and rumble and listen if you'd like to not miss anything that we do every headline every podcast every prophecy update here's how you do it download our free app available on apple android hit yes to push notifications And you're going to be squared away. It's going to be all there at your fingertips. And you won't have to worry about, did I miss something? Did we miss the podcast? Did we miss a headline? No, it'll be all there at your fingertips. So I want to give you a verse of scripture. I was reading over this uh, and I thought of America. Consequently enough, in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is speaking directly about Israel. But again, we know there's no new thing under the sun the thing that which was is the thing that which shall be nations that go in the way of Israel shall be judged as Israel was judged past, present and future. So having said that in Jeremiah chapter 13, the, the Lord is speaking to Jeremiah to give the word of warning and rebuke to the nation of Israel because they have, gone and they have trespassed against the Lord and they refuse to hear the words of the Lord. They follow the dictates of their hearts. They continue to walk after other gods, little G to serve them, to worship them. They look to them for their substance, for their provision, for their protection, for their security. And You get down here and you go to Jeremiah 13, you get down to verse, you get to verse 20. And Jeremiah says, lift up your eyes and see those who come from the north. I want to say something here. Real interesting. When you study the Bible, listen, all invasions that come against Israel happens from the enemies of the north. Even in the future, the war of Gog and Magog, those armies, those nations that come, they come from the north. And it's interesting, it says, Lift up your eyes and see those who come from the north. Where is the flock that was given to you, your beautiful sheep? What will you say when he punishes you? Jeremiah is speaking to the people. What are you going to say when God punishes you? For you have taught them to be chieftains, or actually it's chieftains to be head over you. Will not paying seize you seize you like a woman in labor? It's interesting. He makes this reference to birth pangs. Then in verse 22, it says, and if you say in your heart, why have these things come upon me? Listen to this quote for the greatness of your iniquity, your skirts have been uncovered. Your heels made bare. Let me say that again for the greatness of your iniquity. Your skirts have been uncovered and your heels made bare. He goes on and says, Because you have forgotten me and trusted in falsehood, therefore, the Lord says, I will uncover your skirts over your face that your shame may appear. I have seen your adulteries. I have seen your lustful names. The lewdness of your harlotry your abominations on the hills and the fields. Woe unto you, Jerusalem. Will you still not be made clean? Now, again, for clarity here and to be contextually in agreement with the word of God, this was a warning directly to the nation of Israel. But I, I venture to tell you today that when you go to Deuteronomy 28, you go to Leviticus 26, The again, the nation's that go in the way of Israel will be judged as Israel was judged. This includes America. And when you read this, friends, I'm going to make this statement. I know there. Listen, I've had strong disagreements and discussions with other ministers about this very topic that I'm about to say here. And that is, I believe America has been under judgment for a long time now. And because we've not repented, we've not relented, we've not turned, that the punishments, the disfavor, the judgments are only becoming stronger. They're becoming more intense, again, like labor pangs. Now, you may be listening, watching this, and you say, well, and you come of the camp of believers that you don't believe that God judges America anymore. You don't believe that God even judges nations. Well, listen, I don't have time to develop a 45-minute message on uh, to counter that you again you, re, you read Matthew 25 Jesus makes it distinctively clear that in the in the last days and the time of the end when he returns he will separate the sheep nations from the goat nations and he tells you in Matthew 25 in great detail why He is judging nations, calling them goat nations. And why are they and what and what constituted their judgment in Matthew chapter twenty five? It's all there, guys. And again, I'll let you do your own homework on that so you can do your own study on that. It's all there. So having said that, that's our foundation here. It is not surprising to me, guys. Nothing surprises me anymore as an American, as a citizen of America, When I see these headlines coming out, none of this takes me by surprise anymore. I'm not shocked anymore because if you understand and you believe that America is under judgment, you expect to see these kind of things happening and even greater in the days ahead. If there is no legitimate repentance from the nation, its leaders and the church. So when you see a headline like this, quote, a childless future. The birth rate has plunged and continues to plunge as millennials decide against being parents less than a fifth of millennials. According to a a recent study by study finds specifically those between the ages of 26 and 35 years of age are absolutely certain that they want to become parents one day. This inclination further diminishes among individuals with pronounced environmental concerns. Simply put, Four in five young millennials want to remain childless, especially if they dwell on, quote, climate change concerns. Now, stop. Four out of five millennials want to remain childless. And listen to this. They have all bought into what the mainstream media has fed them about climate change and the concerns of it. The study conducted by the University of Southampton and the Generations and Gender Program gathered insights on attitudes towards children, family and various political issues. It involved a sample of 7000 individuals ranging from 18 to 59 years of age in the UK. Now, this is in the UK. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now, if they go to America, you really think it's going to change? It'll probably be worse than this. The findings revealed a correlation with the nation's declining birth rates, highlighting a drop in the number of young adults planning to have children. Only 19% of younger millennials expressed a definitive desire to have children, while 30% leaned towards probably wanting children. And among older millennials between 36 and 41, 36% were certain they will not have children whatsoever. Now look, I'm going to throw another angle here. I, you know how many people I've sat down and talked to that are couples and either, A, they don't want to get married. And I've told them and I've warned them, you're fornicating in God's eyes. You need to get married, but they don't want to get married. They don't have time for it. They have a business. They have a career. They've got to get this in line. They got to get their ducks in a row and then they'll get married. Always. If that's how it is. And people say that about salvation, too. Well, one day I'll get right with God. One day I'll do it, preacher. One day I'll come to church. One day I'll clean my, my act up. And then I'll come to church. And then I'll come to God. But friends, we're not promised tomorrow. We, The Bible says, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Therefore, say, if it is the Lord's will or Lord willing, I shall do this and do that. Right? Is that not what the Word of God says? We are but but a vapor here a little while, here but a moment. We are like the flower and the grass of the field that is here today, and then tomorrow it's dried up, and for some it's burned up and thrown into the fire. But on the other hand, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to here in America, where I live, that don't have any children. And when I ask them why do they not have kids or do they plan on having kids, and they're inevitably, they always say, are you kidding me? Are you serious? Do you really think I want to bring a child into this crazy, chaotic, uh, nutty world? And honestly, I wish I could tell you, you know, I could quickly come back and, and refute that. But I'm, but part of me can understand what they're saying and, what, and why they would not want to bring a child into the world, into the culture, into this climate that we're living in currently. So the point is, guys, again, think about 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, your grandmother and grandfather's time, your, your parents' time, how things have changed. Again, this is not the America that we grew up to know. And your parents grew up to know. Here's an interesting piece by Michael Snyder. Twelve absolutely insane examples that just show us just how far the United States has fallen. All right, number one. Let's go over this real quick. Twelve examples. Number one, a social media influencer that returned a couch to Costco after using it for more than two years. Think about this is telling her followers to buy all of their furniture from Costco because, quote, you can return it when you don't like it anymore. So today we're doing something that I've never done before, and that is we are returning
2: a two-and-a-half-year-old couch to Costco. I do you
3: want
2: to premise it is very intimidating going in there with a big giant purchase and you're returning it so it's like very intimidating there's a lot of people staring at you but who cares return it they have an awesome return policy definitely look online i don't think you can do it on electronics cigarettes alcohol but buy your furniture from costco girl you can return it when you don't like it anymore okay i didn't get to film after because we were in a rush and stuff but when i got up there i already knew the date that i had bought it because i had taken a photo of when we were bringing it up to our apartment at the time because i was pregnant and i couldn't lift it so luckily i knew the date um i told her around the date that i bought it she looked it up in the computer told me exactly which one it was she found the like online whatever she looked at and then she goes okay cool and that was it she just asked me if it was if there was anything wrong with it or i just didn't want it or like like it anymore. And I said, I just didn't like it anymore, which is we just don't like the color anymore. And they gave us our refund, full refund to his
0: card. So yeah, it worked. Insanity. Again, I cannot believe that this is a, a thing. This would be unheard of 20 years ago. According to the report, a woman named Jackie shared that she bought a couch from Costco over two and a half years ago. And in a video posted last week to TikTok, garnished over three million views where she admitted that she was, quote, nervous to return the large item to the warehouse store and felt intimidated by others, by other shoppers staring at her while waiting in line. Could you imagine a couch waiting in line to return a couch? Quote, but who cares? Return it. They have an awesome return policy, she tells her followers. Buy your furniture from Costco, girl. You can return it when you don't like it anymore. And again, we wonder why the retail is collapsing. We wonder why we're seeing what we're seeing financially, economically, uh, in the retail industry and all these, these companies going under. It's because of this nonsense right here. Here's another one. Number two, the U.S. Navy is having a real difficult time recruiting young people. And so they've, they're grasping for straws, and they have now taking a radical new approach. And from now on, a high school diploma is no longer
1: necessary.
2: For the first time in more than 20 years, the Navy is now allowing people without a high school diploma to enlist.
1: As CBS Steve Price explains, it's because the Navy is experiencing a recruiting crisis. But some worry that this fix could lead to new, bigger problems.
4: A big change for the Navy to try and boost its recruiting numbers. It is no longer requiring those who enlist to have a high school diploma or GED. The Navy says it is not lowering its standards, but some retired military tell me they're not convinced this is a good idea. The Navy missed its recruiting goal for new active duty sailors in 2023 by about 20%. That's a shortfall of more than 7,000 people.
5: I don't know. I'm not sure that's such a great idea.
4: Jeff Carver served as a lieutenant commander in the Navy. To him, a sailor with a high school diploma shows more than just a level
5: of education. At least we have people who on the surface seem to know how to uh, fulfill a commitment, can stick with something, even though they run into adversity and get through it.
4: Those hoping to enlist without a high school diploma must score average or above on the Armed Forces Qualification Test. The Navy sent CBS 8 a statement saying, in part, this policy update benefits the Navy by expanding the potential applicant pool of highly qualified and motivated future sailors who may have been impacted by COVID-19 trends of non-traditional schooling, early exit from high school to support their family, or a variety of other individual circumstances. Quite frankly, I think that's a little bit of equivocation. Armin Kordian is a retired Navy captain with 25 years of service. He wishes the Navy, instead of lowering its requirements, would look internally at why this is happening.
0: Now, we covered this in another podcast. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Number three, three years ago, the city of Portland decriminalized the possession of all drugs. But how's that working out?
1: Lawmakers in Portland, Oregon, just declared a state of emergency over the fentanyl crisis. That comes three years after the state decriminalized possession of all drugs. Jason Rance with me now. A state of emergency. What exactly does that mean? What are they doing?
5: Well, unfortunately, it doesn't go far enough. They're basically doing more of the same, which is just putting more resources into getting folks onto the streets, social workers, connecting people who are addicted with resources, but there are no benchmarks for success in the 90-day emergency call. There will be no arrests of people who are doing drugs out in the open. So it seems like it's just doubling down on a failed policy because they refuse to go away from something called harm reduction. You and I have talked about it before. It's basically a strategy that's supposed to mitigate the risks of drug abuse by enabling the drug user, giving them out drug paraphernalia while trying to push them into treatment. But there are no consequences at this point at all when it comes to the drug use from a legal perspective. And so there's no real pressure for anyone to stop doing the drugs and it's just going to create a vicious cycle. It's going to continue.
0: Now, who saw, who didn't see that coming? Just like the defund the police. How's that working out for you in the communities where you don't want your police officers there to protect you? Number four, Western Oregon University has found a way to keep students from failing. You ready for this?
6: The dumbing down of America and its predictable results. Our latest example comes from a New York Times op-ed lauding the SATs relaxed standards. Unless every child attends honor classes, well then there can't be honor classes. Nobody can attend honor classes. Louisiana's Board of Elementary and Secondary Education has figured out a way to have universal graduation. Diplomas for everybody, and there will be no more failing schools. (laughs) The Dumbing Down of America continues that just some of our reporting over the last few weeks on the lowering of standards in the name of equity and Oregon does not want to be left behind. They say students don't need to prove mastery of reading, writing, or math to graduate high school. Evidently showing requirements and having requirements unnecessarily and disproportionately harm students of color. Thus, goodbye requirements. Here is the school board explaining their logic.
1: The Report uh, brought to light several impacts on students, uh, primarily students of color, students with IEPs, and students are English learners, who because of uh, the requirement uh, were being excluded from uh, learning opportunities at the high school level because they were working on trying to
7: pass a test.
6: So, of course, the school boards, the State Board of Education, the teachers and the principals are the real winners in this plan. Their graduation rates go up. They get bonuses on and on and on because nobody fails. The poor minority kids now have a diploma and can't read. That doesn't do much good for them in the real world. Former Republican candidate for Oregon governor Christine Rezan is here, has been working on this issue. Look, I always say follow the money. Who who wins in this? Why are they doing this?
7: You know, as far as I'm concerned, nobody wins in this. I think that on the union side, it's certainly less work for our, uh, for our union heads. We are looking at less scrutiny of schools as they lower expectations across the board. But to be clear, Oregon is not knocking it out of the park for any demographic. We're talking about just pick a subject. English language arts, for example, our averages in our state, 50%. Students of color are in the 20% for proficiency. But across the board, Oregon classrooms are failing our students. This isn't just about students of color. This is about accepting a system which is not back to the basics. It's not teaching reading, writing, and math. It's more focused on equity.
6: Well, look, I guess if, if equity means that everybody performs poorly, then there you go. Um, yeah. But you said there's no winners. I want to take issue with that, because oh. if I don't produce ratings, OK, I get fired. Right. Um, if, if somebody doesn't do their job, whatever their job is, by, by the by the metrics, then they have to answer for that. But if suddenly you take away all the standards in education, then the winners are the, the teachers, some of whom I'm sure are well-meaning. But the principals and the board of education, everybody else who no longer gets measured by graduation rates. They just say everybody's equal, I guess equally bad, and then they do win.
7: So we have in Oregon, we had the longest COVID shutdowns for our schools in the nation. And so what that reflects is that our teachers' unions themselves are in charge in our state. Huh? Our teachers' unions told our governor what to do. Our teachers' unions are the ones that are dictating what happens in our classrooms right now. And and so when I say that there are no winners, I mean there's no winners among our students. There's no winners in our families. There's no winner for our state. But there's no doubt that our teachers' unions in particular wield a lot of power in our state. Huh? And, and we have a governor who aligns with this whole concept that if 2 plus 2 equals 4 and it's racist, that's Oregon. And that's a broken system. And Mm -hmm. we're certainly not going to see recovery at the level of the executive branch, though I would hope that we would have. Uh, We have a board of education that voted in lockstep to abandon our kids when it came to this decision once more.
6: Yeah, Soft bigotry of low expectations. uh...
0: How do you like that? Number five, from this point forward, Every police officer in El Paso, Texas will be forced to ask for their preferred pronouns of every person that they encounter. Let me say that again. Every individual that El Paso police officers encounter in Texas they will have to ask what their preferred pronouns are. Today,
4: the El Paso Police Department presented its new gender-inclusive policies, which will affect interactions with the community. ABC 7's Brianna Perez gives us a look at the changes and how it will be implemented by the department. Brianna.
8: Paul, the new policy is called constitutional policing. Council previously asked for these changes to improve how transgender and gender diverse individuals are identified by EPPD. Some of those changes include having the officer ask a, every person they encounter what their preferred name is, gender identity, and pronouns. Police now say under this policy they've agreed to do this for all citizens. They say they will simply ask, how would you like to be referred to? Police say when possible they they will also have officers who conduct a frisk say the reasons leading to reasonable suspicion that the officer or others were in danger. They will include these factors in the report. Police also say Internal Affairs will produce a quarterly report documenting the complaints received during each quarter of allegations of bias-based policing. Made in partnership with the Borderland Rainbow S
0: Center, the director says this is just the start. In fact, she went on to say, quote, the most important thing is that we can't change the past, but what we can do is take this first moment and run with it and continue the conversation to be able to speak to each other with respect. Um, I'm sorry, but if you're breaking the law, the last thing I'm going to ask you is what your referred identity is or your referred gender or your referred pronoun. This is insanity, guys, insanity. But again, is anybody shocked? I'm not. Number six, we're halfway there on this list. A group a group of migrants that was caught on camera physically attacking police. Did y'all see that story? A
4: shocking act of violence that was caught on camera in the heart of Times Square. Police, right here, as you can see, trying to break up a group of young men outside a migrant shelter. Saturday night, at one point, the men... Start punching and kicking two of the officers who suffered minor injuries. Five suspects were eventually arrested on felony charges. A manhunt still underway for seven others. All of those arrested were staying at the shelter and were released without bail. When asked if the asylum seekers should be deported, New York Governor Kathy Hochul said it is something that should
0: be looked at. Let me say that again migrants attacked. Physically, police officers in Times Square was released with no bail, and they were seen flipping the bird as they're walking out. Non- they don't care because they under- they know they can get away with this. Number seven, a group of pro-life activists in Tennessee face 11 years in prison. What was the heinous crime That would constitute a group of pro-life activists in Tennessee to face 11 years in prison. They were praying and singing outside of an abortion clinic.
9: Disturbing news as a group of pro-life activists from Nashville were recently found guilty in federal court under the FACE Act for quietly and peacefully protesting outside a local abortion clinic. Here's a little snippet of that protest from March of 2021.
7: You know
0: what I heard?
9: The FACE or Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act makes it illegal to block access to abortion clinics. The protesters each face up to 11 years in jail, three years of supervised release, and a fine of up to $260,000. A little more than a year ago, one of the protesters was arrested in a chilling appearance by the FBI. Watch.
10: But if you're not going to let me, then I'll I'll just- No, uh,
7: I wanna know why you were banging on my door with a gun. (laughs) You're not going to tell me anything?
5: No,
9: you're not. I I, I tried. No, you didn't.
7: You did not try.
9: Some were quick to point out the seemingly hypocritical nature of arresting peaceful protesters with how far more violent some activists were treated if their causes were more politically aligned with the powers that be. The Daily Wire's Matt Walsh posted a quote from the U.S. attorney on the case who said, quote, something is not peaceful if laws are broken. Walsh said this was an example of, quote, full-on Soviet-style corruption and persecution. Here now to discuss this story further is senior reporter at The Daily Signal, Mary Margaret Olihan. So, Mary Margaret, walk us a little bit through this case. This is, of course, also not the first time that a pro-lifer has been arrested by the Biden DOJ. You covered the Mark Houck case previously. He ended up being acquitted. But these individuals were found guilty of violating the FACE Act. Tell us a little bit about the protest and what the feds were alleging they did wrong.
10: Well, it's great to be here, Amber, and and this incident is one of a number of incidents that the DOJ is targeting as crimes violating the FACE Act. And what happened here was these pro-life activists went to an abortion clinic, prepared to go and talk to women and tell them why they don't think they should abort their babies. Keep in mind, these pro-life activists believe that abortion is the murder of an unborn child. So that's good context to have here. So they go to the abortion clinic, they pray outside, they sing. They talk to the people that are going in and out. And unfortunately, this is a violation of the Freedom of Access to Abortion Clinic er, to Clinic Entrances Act. And the Biden Department of Justice has specifically said that they're enforcing this act as a response to the overturn of Roe v. Wade. And we have DOJ officials on the record saying that. So after Roe was overturned, we saw multiple different people be arrested in front of their children at gunpoint and brought in and charged with violations of the FACE Act, and this is another example of that. Now you're right, Amber, people are comparing this to the other different protests around the country. For example, the Black Lives Matter protests involving the death of George Floyd, where many of these people who committed violent crimes were allowed to go free, whereas we see these pro-lifers looking at 11 years in prison.
11: So 11 years sounds, you know, pretty nice compared to the 20 years that the Stop Cop City protesters are facing in Atlanta. 21 were arrested, including those that were there as observers of the protest to see that the law was observed there. They were among the 61 that were arrested and are now facing a penalty of 20 years. It sounds to me like the law is applied pretty evenly. Uh, I, I just can't see how you would say that those being charged for blocking entrance to the abortion clinic, a direct violation of the laws, is somehow the same as BLM protesters who are in the streets. Are you aware of occasions where laws were broken and individuals were not arrested?
10: Well, I think it's important to look at the context here. If you look at what they actually did, and there's a really great video. My friend Greg Price tweeted it, and it shows what happened at this this so-called protest. These pro-lifers went and were singing and praying outside of an abortion clinic where babies' lives are being ended. Now, you can agree or disagree that abortion is wrong, but you can look at that video and see they are praying and singing for the lives of babies. So (laughs) it's a little little funny to compare these two incidents and say that perhaps these people deserve 11 years in prison for what they did in that moment.
11: Yeah, I mean, I think the- people were arrested since June 22nd, 2020, in relation to BLM protests across 49 cities. It sounds like, you know, the law was applied pretty evenly. It doesn't seem like a fair comparison to me.
9: Amber, I didn't want to take that away from if you were going to go. Oh, yes. Thank you. I was going to go. So, I mean, I think the comparison would have to be peaceful protest to peaceful protest, right? Because this objectively was a peaceful protest. You can look at the video. You can see them literally just singing and saying prayer compared to the BLM people. Few who were arrested. A lot of them were not. A lot of them continue to walk free, facing far shorter sentences for actually either engaging in violence against police officers, breaking property. Looting, rioting. So I think that's the direct comparison. um, Not, uh, you know, you'd have to make a direct comparison of peaceful to peaceful in order for those sentences to be comparable. But um, what I wanted to ask you, uh, Mary Margaret, as well, is that. Um, The FACE Act also covers places of religious worship. And in the overturning of Roe v. Wade, there were multiple Catholic churches, hundreds actually, that were vandalized. Um, And there were also cases where um, protesters disrupted Catholic masses right here in Washington, D.C. As far as I know, those people have not been arrested or charged. Is that correct?
10: No, and this is really important context as well. In the aftermath of the Dobbs leak, so in May of, I believe, 2022, we have seen hundreds of attacks on pro-life pregnancy centers and churches, which are both protected by the FACE Act as well. Now, as a reporter that covers this, I have for two years now, I guess, been reaching out to the Department of Justice and saying, what happened to these criminals? Have you prosecuted any of them with the FACE Act? And as of two days ago, I found out that the DOJ has only charged five people, five pro-abortion individuals, with attacking pregnancy centers uh, under the FACE Act. So that's five individuals out of 88 attacks. Meanwhile, they have not charged a single individual with FACE Act charges for their attacks on Catholic churches, and there's been over 200 since the Dobbs leak. So with that context, I think when we look at how the DOJ is using the FACE Act, it is very clear that they're only using it to charge pro-abortion or to charge pro-life activists. And, and keep in mind, the pro-life activists being charged were singing and praying outside of abortion clinics, whereas the pro-abortion individuals who have not been charged firebombed abortion, or pregnancy centers, firebombed churches, Molotov cocktails, smashing windows, writing, if abortion isn't safe, neither are you. So that discrepancy is, I think, what it has a lot of conservatives not, and, and middle-of-the-road Americans very upset about what's going on here.
11: So the FACE Act was passed under Bill Clinton. It was a response to death threats, bomb threats, attacks on abortion clinics across the country by pro-life individuals. That's how this law came into place. You know, when I think about people blocking entry to a clinic where women, many pregnant women, are receiving health care, I get a little worried. I think it's a good part of a free society that if someone needs to and wants to go to the doctor, that they should be able to. And so in a case where someone's blocking potentially a woman who needs health care for her baby, for her baby's life, right? These are pro-life protesters. They care about the baby's life. They were praying for it accessing that health care seems pretty important for the baby's life. So I don't know. I'm kind of on the side of if, if someone wants to access a health care clinic and there are people preventing them, you know, there should be something done about that. And when I consider, you know, access to healthcare care facilities, all in all, we've had this conversation a lot with what's going on in Israel and Palestine. And a lot of people across the globe seem to be on the side of people should be able to access health care facilities when they want to. And I'm just going to quickly go back to that uh, peaceful protest comparison. Many of the arrests during BLM were because people violated the curfews that were set just hours before they were outside. And so, of course, there were arrests for peaceful protests. But I think this one seems to be specifically about accessing the healthcare care clinic. Are you worried at all about moms that were pregnant and their babies not being able to get health care if their clinic where they, you know, get that health care's blocked entrance of?
10: Well, I would agree with you, except that unfortunately, abortion clinics in the United States don't provide care for babies. They exist to abort babies or offer patients transgender care, as the Planned Parenthood clinics would say. So they offer hormones to young people or
11: they offer abortions right, just to quickly, the- This was not a Planned Parenthood. This was Mount Juliet's, which is a family care okay. clinic. They do more than abortions. It was not a Planned Parenthood.
10: Uh, well, they advertise that they do more than abortions, but if you talk to the women that go there, people go there to get an abortion. So I you know, I think this is often misinformation that we hear that abortion clinics offer care for mothers and babies. Unfortunately, they do not, and the women that go in there are usually offered only one option which is abortion or they're given more information on obtaining uh, abortion pills. and uh, so this is this really is misinformation that is spread about abortion clinics that they offer care to mothers and babies. And, uh, you know, (laughs) a woman going into an abortion clinic is is going to be, you know, the abortion clinic is going to seek to so-called help her, not necessarily her unborn child, who, frankly, is in a lot of danger in an abortion clinic.
9: I would also add just briefly that these individuals were not barring physical access to the door of this clinic. They were collected in the hallway outside of the clinic. And what is happening, I think, is that the FACE Act is being interpreted to punish anyone who who engages in a protest outside of an abortion clinic and being interpreted as being outside of the clinic as somehow impeding access, even though these um, individuals who wanted to go into the center were more than capable of doing so. It's not like they put a chain across the door. That's
0: right, guys right in the state of Tennessee I used to live there for about three years number eight the 25 the 24 year old aide to. US Senator Ben Cardin that was filmed having sodomy in a Senate hearing uh, in a Senate hearing room listen to this will not be charged with breaking any laws what, now what what does that tell what kind of what kind of signal does that give? here in America, that you can commit the most vile, heinous, abominable acts in the highest place of the land, and there is no repercussions about it. Unbelievable. Number nine, violent carjackers are fiercely roaming the streets of Washington, D.C., and anyone that resists one of these young carjackers ends up dead. Sadly, this is precisely what just took place to an official that worked in the Trump administration. Y'all see this
5: story. Some tragic news out of Washington, as a former member of the Trump administration has died days after he was shot in a carjacking. Mike Gill worked at the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission under the former president. He died on Saturday after being shot on Monday as a man went on a carjacking spree. The suspect later was killed by police after he shot at them near a stolen SUV.
0: Number 10. The Chinese and other foreign buyers are purchasing millions of acres of U.S. farmland.
4: With tensions still high between the U.S. and China, a growing number of states are seeking to ban Chinese companies from buying American land. But how big is the potential risk to U.S. security? Here's Ryan Nobles.
1: In Montana, fears about the security threat from China have been growing ever since that Chinese spy balloon soared across its famous big sky. The Chinese spy balloon was right right above us. That woke a lot of people up. And it's not just worries about America's vulnerability from the air. Now one of Montana's senators is pushing to keep the Chinese government from buying land nationwide.
4: China is not our friend right now. And the Chinese Communist Party wants to do bad things.
1: Senator John Tester is proposing a ban on entities with ties to China and three other foreign adversaries from buying American farmland and wants to beef up monitoring of land transactions to foreign buyers.
4: Right now, we're not paying any attention to it.
1: The push to prohibit foreign land purchases from China has exploded across America. 15 states have passed laws regulating the practice. Much of the focus coming after controversial purchases in Texas and North Dakota, where Chinese companies bought land and failed to disclose it to the U.S. government. In Grand Forks, North Dakota, city officials recently blocked construction on land purchased by a Chinese company just 12 miles from Grand Forks Air Force Base. The company has said it's just a corn mill and not an espionage risk. But the Air Force had warned that the project presented a, quote, significant threat to national security. Overall, U.S. intelligence rates the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, as a top security threat. The CCP represents both the leading and most consequential threat to U.S. national security and leadership globally. Though an NBC News review tonight, finding nationwide the amount of American land being purchased by Chinese entities appears to be small. Since early 2022, less than 1,400 acres sold to businesses tied to China have been reported to the USDA so far. In total, it appears China controls less than 400,000 acres of American land, which is less than 1% of all the land owned by foreign entities. Here in Montana, a state law banning Chinese citizens from buying land passed with bipartisan support. Brad Molnar was the only Republican to vote no.
4: You create the dragon. There never was a dragon.
1: He says the law is an overreach and would prevent his wife, a Chinese national, from being able to inherit his land after he dies.
4: There's no evidence that I'm aware of that the people that own the
0: land are in any way a threat to American security. If they are, arrest them and remove them. Quote, foreign ownership and investment in property such as farmland, pastures and forests jumped to about 40 million acres in 2021, up 40% from 2016. And according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture data, an analysis conducted by the U.S. Government Accountability Office, which is a nonpartisan watchdog that reports to Congress, found mistakes in the data, including the largest land holding link with China being counted twice. Other issues include the challenge of enforcing a U.S. law that requires foreigners to self-report such purchases. Wow. So, again... Huge swaths of land in a uh, farmland, the United States, being bought up by 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 the Chinese and foreign buyers. Number eleven. So many radical Muslims have moved into Dearborn, Michigan, that the Wall Street Journal just did a piece referring to Dearborn, Michigan, as and I quote, America's Jihad Capital.
5: Especially the youth in the West. It's time for them to understand. What should already be known, that the Kafir West, particularly the U.S., are enemies of Muslims.
6: Hmm. That's one of the leading Islamic faith leaders in the United States calling for jihad. He's one of many imams who are taking a, might say, hardline stance on terrorism here in America. In fact, The Wall Street Journal just put out an op-ed highlighting Dearborn, Michigan, Piece called Detroit Suburbs, Americans Jihad Capital. And they had some examples, some proof, you might say, of influential Islamic voices there in Dearborn, Michigan, promoting t- terrorist ideology. For example, this Imam who called for the destruction of Israel after October 7th.
1: They left the fire in our hearts
0: that will burn that state until
6: to be clear, this is happening in America. These aren't clips of Imams from other countries. In America, and in Dearborn, Michigan specifically, another faith leader praised the October 7th attacks as well as the Hamas fighters who slaughtered babies and raped women.
5: That day that it took place was definitely what we call Ayamullah, one of the days of God. It's true. The brothers who were there, they planned, they trained, they made every effort, blood, sweat, and tears.
6: When the Wall Street Journal article came out, the mayor of Dearborn called the article garbage, reckless, bigoted, and Islamophobic. We, of course, asked the mayor to come on. To be fair, we've asked the mayor multiple times to come on since October 7th. He's either refused or not gotten back to us. The invitation is, of course, always open. He then said he was putting out police patrols to protect the mosques and imams because the Wall Street Journal was inspiring violence. It got us thinking, what if these were right-wing leaders, you know, crazy Catholics or something, who would be advocating violence? Certainly the FBI would be involved. And actually, in this case, we don't have to wonder. We don't have to do the thought experiment, the what-if thought experiment, because the FBI already investigated Catholic leaders as domestic terrorists. A new House report from the Judiciary Committee Lays out the FBI's action, specifically a memo that describes some churchgoers, in the FBI's words, as radical
0: traditionalist Catholics. Number 12. A teacher in Massachusetts that held a spotless record for over 23 years was fired after she revealed the truth about what was really going on in her school. What was the truth? Quote, Bonnie Manchester had a spotless record in 23 years as a teacher at Bard Middle School. She laid it all on the line when she saw what was now happening to vulnerable children. The organization reported that she, as a Christian middle school teacher, was fired from her job her crime was informing a father and mother that school officials were referring to her daughter as a boy and keeping it secret from them. So she informed the parents that uh, a, that the school was keeping a secret from her parents that they were referring to to their daughter as a boy. And because she warned the parents, she was fired. Here's another absolutely insane headline. A quote, woke kindergarten teacher calls for the destruction of America. Citing quote, we've been trying to end y'all. A San Francisco Bay area elementary school was trained by an organization called woke kindergarten, Whose leader, this is the leader of this organization, wants to see America and Israel destroyed as countries. In the news yeah.
12: right now is this woke kindergarten program. I don't know if you've heard about this, but it's this program, I'm trying to find it in my papers here. It's this program that has a consultant come into your school and radicalize your children, the the kindergarten children, teaching about how bad America is, how skin color mm-hmm. is everything, uh, pronouns and so on. And the it's, I think it's a federally supplemented program um, where we're trying to wokeify our young people. And they've got some radical leftist who's running it a- in a school district that is struggling when it comes to math, struggling when it comes to English. I could go on, I'm gonna find my paper so I give you the actual specifics. But what do you make of the radicalization
3: happening with the littles- uh before they're even The Littles they're even in first grade. The babies. That that's what hurts me. Like I feel like I can talk to my youngest is a senior in high school, so we're we're almost through. They we they there spent some of the what are the, the the cat like the furries that that has happened in my daughter's <laughs> oh school. And really? I'm like, hold me back. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. And I'm like, just, just, just get her out. We're almost there. Point is at, at that age, you can have conversations with your kids and, you know, go back and forth with kindergartners. You're lucky if you find out about it. it. Sounds like from what I read that most of the parents knew and were informed, which is, you know, breaking news. It seems like people are doing so much behind the scenes now. Um, is it, it's actually called woke kindergarten. Like they, they intentionally named it that. Yeah. That's, that's the name of the program. <laughs> And they're I mean, it leaning sounds, in and they don't like care about the bad test scores. They, they don't care. Right. They're, they're, it they sounds love like it. something we would say. I feel like, I think I saw something also where where even some of the teachers are weren't buying into this. I mean, they're told what to do and, and yes. saying to, you know, avoid whiteness and to stay away from whiteness, like distract from that and not talk about that. And really oh, I found it. poisoning yes. these children. You're right, 100%. And, I, I, so, I'm all right. So I'm let me away. give you the, I'll give you the, the TikTok yeah.
12: on it. So it's, um, okay. It is, this is per the San Francisco Chronicle. It's a Bay Area school. Shocking. They spent 250000 yeah. on this woke kindergarten program. Um, it's called the Glassbrook Elementary School. They've got almost 500 students, predominantly low income, because, yeah, this is what low income kids are worried about, you know, whether they're using the pr- proper terminology. Two thirds of the students are English learners more than 80% Hispanic, the struggling to boost low test scores school, not to mention dismal students attendance, spending $250,000 in federal money for this organization called Woke Kindergarten. They're training teachers, ready Sage, to confront white supremacy, disrupt racism and oppression, and to remove those barriers to learning. They share with schools, this program does, wonderings which posed questions for students, including if the US, U.S. defunded the Israeli military, how could this money be
3: used to rebuild Palestine? Oh, my goodness. Sure. sure. I'm, I'm. They have thoughts. Right. I, I can't. I, I'm disgusted. Uh, again, I can't get over the fact that they, like, openly call it woke kindergarten and federally funded for profit. So they're taking the federal yep. funds and then still making the money. I think I saw that the, the leader of it, she's quite a a character and none of this surprises
12: it's me. When they you, when you about they her. don't be such a bigot. It, it, it goes by they.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now again, do you think they're going to lose their job? Probably not. Now, if we was to say something anywhere near that, it would, Oh, they would be on it so fast. You wouldn't even be hearing my voice anymore you would lose your job no questions asked. look what happened to the teacher in massachusetts of 20 what 23 years 25 years spotless record and because she did the moral thing and and, and informed the parents of one of her students of what was going on she was terminated and fired Isaiah said the day would come when good would be called evil and evil would be called good and light would be referred as darkness and darkness light. Oh, and it's good to know that our, our uh, tax paying dollars are going to great cause. For example, the U.S. government paid for 256 transgender men's pregnancies between... 2014 and 2018 again don't adjust your sets don't adjust the mic and rewind what i said I, you're, you've got it right guys you heard it the first time quote u.s government paid for paid to in fact it was cost taxpayers roughly five million dollars what did we put that five million dollars to use for we put it to use for uh transgender men's pregnancies. What in the world is this about? This is from the Daily Mail. The U.S. taxpayer, look at this, guys. I'm going to read it to you right there on your screen. The U.S. taxpayer has spent millions funding the pregnancies of transgender men. Does anybody else want to just pull their hair out from the roots of their head and, just, and, and wrap duct tape around your head to keep it from exploding? Uh, a recent study by University of Michigan- Researchers found there were 1,907 births among people who were born biological female, but who identified as men. Well, thank you for clarifying that. We were getting a little worried there. Between 2014 and 2018, the equivalent of nearly 500 a year. Of the total, 256 trans men were insured under Medicaid, a government program that provides health insurance to people with limited income, which is funded by Americans. The average cost of childbirth in the U.S. is around 19 grand, meaning the deliveries would have cost taxpayers around 4.8 million dollars. Here's one example right here that you're looking at, of the quote unquote trans or the uh, the I, I'm so confused at this point. I don't even know what I'm saying. Because of it's just so messed up. This is one of the examples of the biological woman that became a man who became pregnant and had a child. Look, this stuff is is, is it's, it has become so prominent now that you read stuff like this. Let me pull up another one here. "Quote: Gender ide- ideology has ripped our family apart, Montana family." Who, listen to this, they lost the custody of their 14 year old daughter, all because, ready, they refused to let her transition to a boy. Let me, say, again, they lost custody of their 14 year old daughter because they refused to let her transition to a boy. Krista Kolstead revealed the family's nightmare began when they received a call that their 14-year-old daughter, Jennifer, whose name changed, told friends at school that she wanted to commit suicide in August of 2023. Later that night, Child Protective Services, CPS, went to the Colsteads' home in, in Glasgow to inspect the house and interviewed Jennifer, later determining that she needed to transition to get better. Let me say that again. The CPS told the mother of the child, 14 year old, 14 years of age, that in order for her to get better, to no longer be suicidal, that she needs to transition her gender. Krista, who is Jennifer's stepmother, I'm sorry, not her mother, but her stepmother, so I'm to clarify that. And the girl's biological father told Colstad, said Jennifer had a tough upbringing and several undiagnosed mental health concerns, including attention-seeking behavior and lying, which she believed caused the urge to transition and were overlooked by social services. Of course they were, because it can never be a mental disorder. Never. It will never cross that. We can never assume that, right? Again, you got to normalize everything. Krista told DailyMail.com it's been horrible. Our family unit will never be the same, even if they returned our daughter to us now. So, again, they took the daughter from them. The daughter was ripped from their family. Here's a picture of this. Of course, their faces are blurred out here on what we're looking at. But look at this. is The 14-year-old daughter was ripped from their home. She said, "Quote, I love my daughter unconditionally and only want to only want her to refrain from making decisions until so she has the maturity and life experiences to understand what the consequences are for her actions." Kudos. That is a good mother right there. Or I should say stepmother, guardian, parent. That is what a parent should do. No child that young should be making that kind of decision that's irreversible. Well, how do and it's unbelievable that our court system doesn't see that. The CPS doesn't see that. Unbelievable. Now, according to the, this report, this comes on the heels of a family in Indiana that has asked the U.S. Supreme Court to review their lost custody case, where in which Jeremy and Mary Cox, who are evangelical Christians, imagine that lost the custody of their son back to uh, three years ago in 2021 after they refused for religious reasons from him to begin to identify as a girl. Now notice it's interesting. They went out. To, I'm telling you, friends, don't think that they didn't use that couple as an example because they're evangelical Christians and they stand on the word of God. They're using this as an example and to set an example. Now guys, listen, I'm going to pull it back here. I want to talk to you for a second. Again, I know this is, you know, all the negativity, the news, the information, it just weighs you down. It's just the heaviness of this. But again, guys, if there's a God on the throne, which there is. If God is still in control, which he is, then there's still a hope. If there if you're if there's a pulse in your body, if you live in America. And you are serving God, you're in covenant with him and you are still seeking his face and you're pleading with God and you're praying to God and you're crying out to God, then there's still a hope for your city. There's still a hope for, come on, our nation. Remember, Abraham pleaded with the Lord over the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, over its fate. Why? Because Abraham had blood there. Abraham's nephew was in Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot, Lot and his family was in Sodom and Gomorrah. So Abraham is there and he's standing in the gap. In Genesis uh, 19, he's making up the hedge. He's pleading with the Lord. And he says, Lord, if I can find 50 righteous in the city, will you spare it? And, And the Lord says, if I can find 50, I will. But he couldn't. And it went to 40 and it went to 30 and it went to 20 and it went to 10. And he couldn't even find 10 righteous in the city. All he could find was Lot and his family. And even out of his family, there was a lot of them that even though they got out of, and and all of them made it out, the son-in-laws didn't make it. So it was Lot, his wife and his two daughters that came out, but out of them four, Three out of four, though they got out of Sodom, they couldn't get Sodom out of them, and it and and, and you, we know the story. Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt. Now we could speculate what that is, how that happened, what that means. Was it a volcanic eruption? Was it an asteroid that came? There's a lot of there's a lot of theories on that and what that was. But we're gonna we're gonna go with scripture. It says she was turned into a pillar of salt. Whatever, whatever that means. She didn't make it. She turned back. Then the two daughters, even though they escaped the judgment of God, they they were full of Sodom and Gomorrah in their heart, and they committed acts on their father on their on their own father to try to get the, them impregnated. Now, listen before you jump down their throat on this and condemn them. There, I have read in some commentaries that that the the daughters of Lot. I actually believe that it was the apocalypse. It was the end of the world as they knew it, and that the only ones on the earth were Lot and them, and they were trying to repopulate the earth. Now, again, I don't know. I'm just telling you they came out of it and and they committed incest. That's what we do know for a fact. All the other stuff is, again, I've read that from commentaries. I think it's interesting. I think it can hold a lot of weight behind it. But don't miss the point, guys. Sodom and Gomorrah was one of the most wicked cities ever mentioned in history. And God was willing to spare up to 50 in one city. If he could find 50 righteous in the cities of the plains, he would have spared the entire city for those 50. And if I sat down one time and thought about this, think about your city, what you represent here in America. Think about your city. I'm in the city of Monroe in Georgia. I don't know what your city is, but I believe there's more than 50 righteous in the city of where I live. And I believe there's more than 50 righteous in your city. So we've got that going for us, number one. Number two, we live under, and we better thank God for this, and I've said this many times on many segments, you better thank God that we are under what's called, theologically speaking, as the dispensation of the grace of God. Because if we were not under the dispensation of the grace of God, you and I would see, witness, and experience far more greater severity of judgments than selective judgments which we have seen for many years now and I believe we're experiencing it now but watch this friends eventually prophetically speaking we are going to move forward and there's going to come a day when the fullness of time will come to an end the end of the age will reach its climax The the harpazo, the catching away, the rapture of the church, the gathering together, whatever you want to call it, will transpire. And then again, this is my belief. You have yours. I have mine. Let's just come into agreement. On certain things and some things we're not going to see eye to eye. But then all of humanity will enter into a a time that the Jesus said, unless the days had been shortened, no flesh would survive. And that is called the tribulation period or what we call the great tribulation. That's when all these bold judgments takes place, the vile judgments, the sealed judgments, all these things are broken, and we see we move from selective judgments to the full wrath of Satan and God himself so I listen all of this doesn't surprise me it doesn't take me off guard it doesn't leave me baffled and astonished and bewildered as as children of God as Those who are discerning and they understand the times and seasons in which we're in. Guys, we see what's going on. We know this. We understand this. And this is why we have to continue to pray. We have to continue to intercede. We have to continue to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. We've got to continue to be the high priest of our home, leading our families. Come on, building our own ark for the saving of our households. I'm not talking about physically Literally, I'm talking about figuratively speaking, come on, making a house of refuge, a house of prayer, a place, come on, where we can dwell under the shadow of the Almighty during the trying trying times in which we are in. Come on. Do you believe that today? So again, I wish I could get on here today and tell you things are going to get better, but if I told you that, then I would be guilty of what Jeremiah rebuked the prophets of of his day when he said that you are causing great harm to the people of God by by telling them there will be peace when there will be no peace and telling them that God doesn't see their actions and that he's turning an eye to their harlotries and their iniquities. So listen, guys, intimeheadlines.org, intimeheadlines.com. I know it's been a little bit different today and it's kind of throwing everything off because it's Saturday and not Friday. But guys, we're um we're very blessed and thankful for you guys that did take on the time to come on here tonight. Uh again, don't forget to download a free app available on Apple and Android. Hit yes to push notifications. You're going to be good to go. As always if this ministry blesses you, encourages you, refreshes you, uh, informs you, all the above, we want to encourage you to pray about becoming a monthly partner. You can do this two different ways. You can give electronically right there on your screen. If you guys that are listening by Apple or by Spotify, if you go to our main website, intimeheadlines.org, intimeheadlines.com, you're going to see places where you can give electronically. That's going to be PayPal. It's going to be credit card. It's going to be Venmo. It's going to be Cash App. Or you can give by check or money order by making it out to the following end time headlines. P.O. Box 1391 Monroe, Georgia 30655. We always thank you for your generous support, your partnership and your giving to our ministry. And of course, we covet your prayers, your intercession for uh, myself and for all of us here at End Time Headlines. Guys, we're going to sign off. Have a great weekend this weekend. Um, We'll be right back here. Lord willing. On Monday, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. And then we're going to take off. We'll be off Tuesday next week. Come on Monday. Be off Tuesday. We'll be back Wednesday. We'll be on Thursday with uh, Bishop Larry Raglan, or at least we plan on being. And then we'll be back on Friday. So, again, until then, may the Lord bless you, may he keep you, and may his countenance shine upon you. And one last thing I want to leave you with. Go 49ers. God bless you guys. We'll see you Monday.
1: Thank you for listening to the End Time Headlines podcast. We pray that you've been blessed and equipped by today's message. For more information about how you can help partner with our ministry, please visit endtimeheadlines.org.